You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast on 1021, 979, and 921. Hashtag We Are One. And we have the Vice President of the NAACP Online, uh, noted pastor of the word, Bishop James W.E. Dixon II. Uh, good morning, Doc, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Brother Larry. How are you today, man? We are well, sir. We are well. Um, in lieu of all of the information we've received, what have you and the NAACP uncovered? Well, we, we are uh, constantly monitoring everything that's going on, Brother Larry. And uh, what we are learning, of course, is that there are uh, great people, well-intentioned people, by the thousands who've been marching and protesting, rightfully so, uh, this tragic death, this murder, and the injustice is still associated with it, uh, of course. And uh, and I don't want to repeat what everyone already knows, that uh, we, we know that this heinous crime uh, was a hate crime, uh, and all of us are still riveted by the scene and the sound of George Floyd being on the ground, on his belly, handcuffed, hands behind his back, with the knee of a police officer on his neck uh, for all those seconds while he pleaded for his life and asked for mercy and ended up calling his mama's name, calling out for his mama before he expired. while the police officer smiled as if he was achieving a victory. Uh, that that scene, that sound, haunts every one of us. And 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 watch, while that episode was watched by other police officers who seemed to enjoy the what appeared to them to be a sport. Uh, and uh, so the fact that he was only charged with Third-degree murder, it's, it's injustice. The fact that those other officers have not been arrested and charged, it's injustice. The fact uh, that uh, Officer Chauvin's record is littered, littered, littered with episode after episode, incident after incident of uh, egregious action, including uh, accusations of uh unnecessary force and abuse of power. He should not have ever he should not have been on the police force uh with that day and had he not been on the police force, uh George Floyd would still be alive. So th- those those circumstances around the case itself uh are things that we're constantly looking to and uh joining in the demand for the Justice Department to take over the case investigated it thoroughly. Beyond that, the righteous indignation of the protesters who are marching, uh, exercising their First Amendment rights, uh, uh, is very necessary, of course, to be protected and has been protected by local police. But, however, there are infiltrators into this movement who are doing uh, unnecessary things to cause uh, a shadow on the righteous protest. And the NAACP, of course, uh, supports and participates in protests, and we will continue to do so 
we are not advocates of, 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 of vandalism and violence, of course, uh, but we do understand the hopelessness, the sense of helplessness and powerlessness that so many feel in light of the fact that we have been screaming to America for years, we can't breathe. We have been advocating for years, we can't breathe. Our educational system is adverse to minorities. We can't breathe. Financial system adverse to minorities, we can't breathe. Political system adverse to minorities, we can't breathe. Mass incarceration based on trumped up laws where, uh, where there are people in prison today for small portions of marijuana for 20 years where murderers are off in two years. In fact, we've learned from years of research, of course, that police brutality is nothing new. And the hundreds of cases where officers have shot unarmed victims, killing them uh, so very seldom are they charged and even more seldom are they convicted and even the few, the very few who are convicted spend an average of two and a half years in some sort of, of incarceration. This, this, has, this is why there's such a hopelessness and helplessness and powerlessness, and it's why people are resorting to the levels of responses that we see. Yep. That's what we've got to address. Bishop, it is uh, 9 o'clock Central Time. You have uh, scheduled a another rally this afternoon. Is that is that still to pass downtown? And I want to get to that before we get to uh, Minister Muhammad. Uh, the, no, the we we postponed our rally today, uh, Brother Larry. We're organizing it, and I'll give you the, there'll be a different date for that rally. Uh, but if it, uh, I'm telling you, it's building because we've got every every branch of government. Participating, we've got an ecumenical group of faith leaders, Christians, Muslims, Jews, Pakistanis, every, 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 every uh, Buddhist, every branch of government, an ecumenical group of leaders, as well as young people, old people, and a plethora of social activists and social justice organizations. What we believe is we've got to come back to understanding that we are one family with one future. Dr. King said it well, we'll either learn to live together as brothers or we'll perish together as fools. Mm -hmm. And we've got to get to a point where this is no longer an us versus them. This is a we, a we who's all in it for all of us. And that's our message and we're about a mission. As well, we're developing a strategic agenda that will unfold as well. How do we bring systemic change so that road cops, can be punished as necessary and eliminated from police departments before they kill somebody. We don't have to wait, should not have to wait, until a bad cop kills somebody to mm -hmm. get them out of a system. Yep. That's too late. I almost cursed when I said something there. That's too late. <laughs> and and I, I finally say this, Brother Larry. I know Brother Derek Muhammad is coming on. God bless him and love him. I want to say this, that we're not against cops. We are against cops killing people. We are against cops who kill innocent people. That's who we're against. So let's make it clear. This is not an anti-police message. This is an anti-road cop, vigilante cop, who feels they've got the authority to take a human being's life with
without consequence. That's the real issue. And we're hoping that everyone will join this movement because if we don't join it to lift all people together, as Dr. King says, we'll all perish together as fools. Doc, we thank you for your time. One quick, uh, have you had a chance to speak to the family and any talk about uh, a possible funeral for, uh, for, for, for George Floyd? I'm awaiting the call this morning. I think we'll get that answer today about the specificities of it. Uh, and I don't want to be the one to announce anything. I think we'll wait until the official announcement comes. Then we'll all chime in behind that. Uh, Father the leader, Ben Crump, who's doing an outstanding job as the attorney. Uh, so the, the attorneys are doing their job with the families. We're doing our job as, as, as prophetic advocates of justice and peace. And let me say tonight, Larry, at 6 o'clock, p.m. this evening, I'm going to deliver a message on social media at James Dixon Empowered, and the message is entitled, Let My People Go. I would urge mm. anyone who wants to hear a prophetic word about this, because I hear God saying and speaking, say to the nation, let my people go at 6 o'clock p.m. today on social media at Bishop, Bishop James Dixon or James Dixon Empowered. We've got to say to this nation, we have been struggling to breathe for a long time. And so while we're working with the family, praying for them, we've got to do what honors this family by bringing the necessary change to honor and dignify the life of George Floyd. All right, Doc, we'll leave it right there. So thank you so much. Our first guest this morning, Bishop James W.E. Dixon, the second vice president of the Houston branch of the NAACP, also senior pastor at Community of Faith Church in Acres Homes, Texas. Uh, thank, thank you so much, Bishop. Uh, we're scheduled the next. Bless. God bless you, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, Minister Derek Muhammad should join us in just a little bit. You're listening to the Public Affairs Broadcast. It's live this morning on all three of our Houston platforms at KMJQ Houston, Galveston, KBXX Houston, KROI Seabrook Houston. Welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast on Magic 102.1 KMJQ Houston, KBXX Houston, KROI Seabrook Houston, 97.9 and 92.1 of the Urban One Radio One family. We're live today to honor and support the memory and family of our fallen brother, Yates High School, two-time uh, athlete, two-letterman athlete, uh, George Floyd, who was viciously murdered in Minneapolis. We know the story. We're working on solutions, and Bishop James Dixon has honored us early with the show. Now, uh, Brother Derek Muhammad is with us. And, Brother Muhammad, you were speaking before we took break about the changing of, of of laws and getting things reconciled uh, that's going to cause us to vote am i correct in that we, we gotta we gotta put some people in place correct well my, my motto is this and if there are any young brothers and sisters listening i would like for you to take these words to heart you must never be more angry than you are organized. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be angry. There is a such thing as righteous indignation. You have a right to be angry after seeing what we saw happen to George Floyd, but you must organize. Now, one of the things, or one of those points of organization is political. The black vote has the potential to be very powerful if organized properly. But I have to be honest with you, brother. Um, 
to tell a 25-year-old to go vote after he saw George Floyd literally executed, assassinated, lynched in broad daylight is putting the cart before the horse. And I know that might be unpopular for me to say. My question is, what are we voting for? If you show them what they're voting for, not who they're voting for, they'll be happy to go and vote. But some of these politicians are trying to manipulate the momentum into something for them. And and I'm speaking on behalf of the young people right now. Minister Farrakhan says that in order for us to get anything out of the vote, we have to have a black agenda. So I say, instead of telling them to go and vote, you black leaders in politics get together with the best and brightest in our economic community, in our educational community, and yes, in our criminal justice community. You show our people the agenda. And if on that agenda, they see that their issues are being addressed, they'd be happy to go and vote. But we told everybody to go back, go to get out and vote in 2008, I think it was. I'm just being real. We elected the first black president of the United States of America, and we were proud of that. But unfortunately, not very much in our community. I'm talking about in the depths of the ghettos. In our community, it did not change. So I encourage people to get registered and to vote as well. But I'm saying that's not the answer to what we're dealing with right now. What we need is a black agenda that addresses police brutality, police murder, state-sanctioned terror. And when that agenda addresses the concerns of the young people who are out here protesting, then they'd be happy to go and vote. But we can't ask them to go and vote for the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. It is an exercise in futility. Mm-hmm. Well said, my brother. We appreciate your time today. Uh, Derek, on behalf of the podcast, uh, peace and blessings to you and the family. And thank you for keeping us in your prayers. We appreciate you, sir. Much love. Thank you all. Yes, sir. Yes. Hashtag we are one. I'm Uncle Funkulary Jones, KG Smooth. Uh, good morning, H-Town. Kiati, step on up. Keisha and on air Laura from 92.1 all in studio yes. this morning. So, thoughts? Oh, that was great. I mean, he's right. We do need a black agenda, but I think that we need to come up with the agenda. I think that us asking these uh, candidates, be it mayoral, gubernatorial, or presidential, we're asking them, oh, well, what do you have for the black community. Like, what, what is your plan for mm-hmm. black people? And they normally don't have one. We need to come up with something to have for them. Mm-hmm. This is what right. this is we what want. We, this is what, what we, we require. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and you know what that requires, like KG? 
That requires you going to your monthly meetings of your homeowners association. That requires you going to your schools with your kids or however COVID-19 changes this. But you've now got to participate in this system to draw up this Filling out the census. How many people filled out their census? Do the census form. Mm -hmm. It's still going on. You got until August to do it. And so that's very important so that the monies can come to your community. See, so all of these are the planks on the platform that Mm -hmm. Minister Muhammad was talking about. Because if you don't get involved, then it stalemates itself and it continues to swim like a cesspool. But we've invited some listeners at 713-621-1021 to join the conversation on the podcast. We're going to go to Chris on line two. Good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Thank you all for taking my call. Mm -hmm. You know, to the previous call and your guests, another thing we were overlooking here, y'all listen to me real clearly. We must send elected officials in office that's willing to take the courage to put in legislation that's going to punish these police officers. In other words, there should be a requirement that police officers should have, one, malpractice insurance. Two, if they are found guilty of such infraction, they lose those pensions and everything else. See, they have no skin in the game because long as the lawsuits are being filed, the taxpayers are paying those. So now, and another thing, they should also go after those unions that police officers have. Any elected official to receive money from these police officer unions, we may identify them, not vote them as well, because they continue to protect them. See, so we, yeah, we can vote, but then we got to do more than just vote. We must stay involved and participate, and we also must show up to jury duty. We must hold these elected officials accountable, and these elected officials that's receiving money from the so-called corporations and companies, we don't want them because they don't have our best interests at hand. They're going to get there and sell out because, see, this problem just didn't start it. This problem been going on. Tamir Rice, Eric Gardner, Sandra Bland, we keep saying the same thing. They go back and laugh about us. We keep the same thing, running certain uh, religious people in the community, calm them down. Okay, here we go. Two years later, same problem again. This time will be some real effective change, brothers and sisters. We'll be having the same conversation five years down the line. Yeah. Chris, we thank you for your call, so thank he, you for challenging me. He made a morning. point. I mean, real effective change. We keep seeing this happen over and over again. And I, I know myself and KG were talking this morning. Um, sometimes you feel like really hopeless and powerless when you see things like the officer that killed George Floyd, that murdered George Floyd. He had a long rap sheet, Uncle uh, Funky, mm-hmm. and nothing was ever done to this man. He had done several things to several people over how uh, t- over 12, 12. 20. Yeah, yeah, over 12. I think it was about 14. On his on on his sheet and it was like how come this guy was never punished how come he he didn't lose his job a long time ago and now you wait till someone is dead that's the problem right there it's Mm in-house very much so that's the problem let's go to line three emmanuel welcome to the public affairs podcast good morning brother good morning to everybody listening i'm gonna be short and quick uh, the sister is saying exactly what's right. That is the in-house problem. And as we said before, that uh, these are not a problem of the citizens. This is a problem that was created by cops and has to be solved by cops because it comes down not just to race issue. Because, yes, there is a race issue in this world. But we also know that in this world that we live in, all races share the authority of the police officers. And all races share the the, the the crime of hurting the citizens. What needs to happen is accountability. We need to stay 
on focus. These other issues are important, but we are here today for a man who did everything authorities told him to do, and he was still struggling of his life. We have to face the issue, and the issue is abuse of authority. The issue is when you give people power, you give them a gun, and they can handle it however they want, then they need to be held accountable. And the solution to this problem is going to come just like when we were out there, and I give all my love first. I'm sorry. Give my love to the Floyd family for your loss and give my love to the, all the citizens, the brothers and sisters in Third Ward and everywhere that have been out protesting because they're coming together to show the spirit of how we solve things is to come together. And, yes, there are going to be agitators in there that are going to wish to do these things for insurance purposes and just put a black on our uh, our our I will protest, but you have to be the ones to step up like we did in all these times. When those agitators are out there, we come out there. And just like those agitators can come in and they can file in and move around, we as the people can stand up and come out there and protect our babies because our babies are being heard. I give all the love to the brothers and sisters that marched in Third War, but if you just saw what was happening with them, our brothers and sisters, they were going in circles. And what that tells us is, like Derek said, leadership. And the leadership is going to come from them, but it's also going going to come from us giving them an environment where they're free to to address their issues in a disciplined manner. You have to be patient. You have to continue to hold discipline. You can't hurt an innocent law because an innocent uh, citizen was hurt. This is the problem that we're speaking on and we're addressing and we're showing that us as the citizens can be disciplined. So those who we pay, those who get the training, those who have the authority, they need to practice the same discipline or be held accountable. And the way we solve this is like when we went to Chief Acevedo and we spoke to him. This is going to be an in-house thing. So they have to come up and draft the legislation, new policies and new procedures, make a board with citizens unbiased because we know like the sisters and the brothers were saying when it's the in-house thing they cover it up in-house so we need somebody that's not in-house an unbiased view of police and citizens problems when they have interactions where it's abusive authority because everybody knows you can see Keita thomas's brother was killed by a black cop uh, others was killed by white cops, Hispanic cops. It's cops and it's guns. That authority that they give them. Mental health isn't addressed. Substance abuse isn't addressed within the police department. These mm-hmm. things need to be brought to the forefront of everybody's department. This is not, and I'm, I'm sorry, everybody was started to bring and get off topic yesterday and start F Trump. This isn't about Trump. Trump is not the one that's in your community with the gun when he's handling the situation that can end your life. It is bigger than Trump. It is every department across this world needs to go in after each individual officer. And each individual officer needs to understand, you are human just like everyone else. You want to go home, the citizen wants to go home. We pay you to get us home at the risk of your own life. That's hazard pay. Take it as an honor. We give you all the honors. Get us home safe. Life preservation. And we need our people in there when they address these officers' misconduct to make sure that they're held properly accountable. Give us the same authority that you would give police. That is proper police and citizens working respectfully together. And until we get that, true change will not happen. Let's force that agenda and let's bring his name up in love. We have protests going around, but y'all saw Houston. We did it without violence. Let's be the forefront for all these places around the world to stop protesting in that sort that brings the violence and let's show demonstrations of love. Like we did with Nipsey, you saw there was no problems because everybody came in the spirit of love. Let's come for George in Houston 
in the spirit of love, and it will continue to spread across this world. And we will get changed because we, the people, are speaking. Power to the people. Yes, thank you, thank so, you so much. much. You, he made up. He brought up so many valid points um, during this discussion. And you know, since we've gotten here this morning, KG, Uncle Funky, on their Lord Kiati J Mac, um, we've been hearing from a lot of men. Our, our men are hurt. They're in pain. Um, and. You know, one thing I, I do realize, and I had this conversation with Kiati and J-Mac on Good Morning H-Town, you know, the conversation you have to have with your kids about, you know, when you step outside, make sure you address the police this way or that way. You can have these conversations all that you want, but the outcome is probably going to still be the same with or without that conversation. And I would love to talk to the mothers out there, the sisters. We have a lot of men in here calling in, but, you know, these are the nurturers of the household. I would love to hear from from the, the women, um, 713-621-1021, and, and how are you feeling right now? during this time indeed um I, I i i need to echo what you just said like i totally agree i was just, i was having this conversation with a black police officer uh just on friday and they're talking about you know having a forum bringing uh officers together and, and men of the community together to talk about this and that was the point that he raised like mm -hmm. you know, he said that we have to teach you know our kids how to handle police and how to talk to them and i said bro we do that. Yeah. We've done that. We've seen instances where the person has been perfect and done everything mm -hmm. that the cop has said and still ends up getting assaulted, mm -hmm. if not killed, by this police officer. Mm -hmm. So um, how about you all have, have a training session yes. of how to deal Absolutely. with us when you all come in mm -hmm. to there. Like, don't put it all on us because we follow that. Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're scared. Mm -hmm. We get scared when you all get mm -hmm. behind us. Like, so... I don't think this is our deal. We're Just like the racism is a black people's deal. This mm -hmm. is not our deal to deal with. Y'all need to know how to deal with yep. us. And, and and I believe that we lost it when when I was growing up, the officers that patrolled the neighborhood also lived in, in the, the neighborhood. neighborhood. Yes. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast on all three platforms, 1021, 979, and 92.1. Kiati from H-Town. Uh, good morning, H-Town. Just stepped in studio. I want to get your take, Kiati, on... Last night, about one third, well, this morning, there was something that happened at the Galleria. So, um, first, good morning, H Town. Uh, I, I was I was watching online last night, and of course, you know, uh, as much as we are in the community, man, I get a lot of phone calls, I get a lot of tweets, texts, DMs, and somebody hit me and said, "Hey, we we running up in the Galleria." I said, "What?" I said, "Y'all lying." Houston Galleria, West Ham and Sage Road, no way. They shoot the video to my phone, and I say, man, let me get out the house. Let me go over here and see who's running up in the Galleria, right? Because based on what we've been watching and seeing online, I didn't get a call from any of Black Lives Matters, no NAACP, nothing that said, let's run up in the Galleria and go take some stuff. I didn't get that text. So as I, I, I jump on 610 and I... Drive down West Hammer. It looks like a scene out of a, a, a movie. They got all kind of SWAT team, HPD, uh, boom. They got the whole little mall blocked off. It's coned off. They got cars up and down the street. Uh, 97.9 The Box on I our, you on on live our live. Last night. Yeah, I went I live last live night. On and I had to watch my mouth on live, too, because I was live, and I had to remember I was on the station page and the way our boss was set up. I ain't really <laughs> want that smoke for keeping the G with y'all on Instagram, but I'm going to keep a G with y'all this morning. So I'm looking, and if you look at the video, you'll see. I'm like, wait a minute. These is kids, man. These is teenagers. This, this wasn't... I'm talking about these are young 
kids. My nephew calls me like, oh, yeah, they was promoting on Instagram earlier that they we was going to... I said, wait. I, I, don't, I don't recall... Because, you know, I'm really from these streets for real. Yeah. I don't recall promoting any of our street moves over Instagram. That don't seem like something that's street to me. If, if the system is what's oppressing us, how do you use what the system controls to further your agenda? It don't work like that. And what does this have to do with Mr. Floyd? I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, to, how does that honor this man by us running up, stealing. Yeah. What, what, what's that? So, you know. All right. I, I, just, I just, you know, it, it's certain things that regardless... We got to remember why we're doing things. And you have to remember that distractions are real. The the people uh, that are doing a lot of this senseless stuff, mm -hmm. that does nothing to honor the memory of Brother George Floyd. I understand being mad, angry, upset. Hell, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm upset too. For real. But doing stuff that's going to continue to put young people's lives in danger for unnecessary stuff, I'm not with that. I don't stand behind that. I don't endorse that. None of my OGs in the streets, that's not what we are endorsing. That's not what we're standing behind. Just a minute ago, uh, your, your, your co-host, Keisha, made a call for moms to get their side of the story. And we have a young lady. A young lady on line three. Welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast. Hey, how are you? Um, I'm a, my name's Latasha, and so I'm listening to the broadcast as well. And I am a mother and a grandmother. And so I'm listening and I'm looking... And from the female standpoint, I agree with you completely. First of all, the looting, the violence, that takes completely away from the situation at hand. It makes us look more, less of, of a people for a, a cause or a situation that it has everyone in pain right now. So the first thing is that anyone anywhere, you know, that, that's out and you're doing uh, anything that, that could be looked at in a negative manner, that needs to stop. Uh, I have grandchildren, you know, I didn't have boys, I have grandchildren, I have brothers, and you, we look at them, I have a, a, a grandsons from the age of five uh, up to now 12 and 13. Cousins, so you look at your grandsons and your sons now, and you're looking at them and you're wondering, you know, how can we get, get, let them go out and even play safely? And we're talking about all the things that, you know, need to be done. We women need the, our men. And I think one thing I may have heard or haven't heard is that, you know, we, our men are under attack. Black men have been under attack for a long time because you guys are, are covering. And so they feel like if they take away the covering, they take away the protection for the women and the children. So we need to do more when it comes to voting, you know, make some changes with our Senate and our and our and our um, and our uh, Congress as well, because we need to somehow put uh, regular not only regulations but limitations on them. These people are going into government and they're staying in there from the time Scooby is a pup until the time he's passed dead, you know, and and they, they, so they become with this ism attitude. And it's like anything that goes on, they're, they're physically numb to it. You know, we cannot, we can no longer look for them to protect us. We, when we're voting, whatever we're doing, we have to go in, like you said, and make the demands. We got to know what are we fighting for? 
what we voted for. And we can't wait until situations like this happen. We, we something like this happen, we come together, we talk, we listen, you know, we cry about it, we're all hurt. But we got to keep doing something beyond that point because this keeps happening. And it's going to keep happening. You know, it's like we got, you know, Black Lives Matter, Our Lives Matter, not to them. Because then it's not, it's not affecting them. It's not affecting their community. So we got to figure out what we're going to do as a people. We can't wait for anybody to come in and save us. It's time for us to save ourselves. But we need to figure out how to do that without, you know, and teach our children. If you're going out and you're looting, that solves nothing. If you're doing more violence, that solves nothing. But we also got to be mindful of who are we allowed to infiltrate our circle. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the violence and a lot of the issues that they're talking about on the news now, they're, they're still putting it back on us. So we got to be careful, just like you're saying, of who we let infiltrate our circle as a people. Latasha, we have to hold it right there, hon. I know we appreciate your call. We need to take a break. But thank you from that perspective on the podcast today. We truly appreciate you. Honestly, we do. And thank you for your, your due diligence. We're taking a break. It's a live podcast on 102.1, 97.9, and 92.1. And we will end live on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, we're live on Facebook, uh, theboxhouston.com. If you're on Facebook, you can uh, watch the behind-the-scenes live. We have a real conversation. I want you guys to comment. And, and talk on here too, cause uh, you know it's sometimes you may want to call and can't get that comment through. If you go comment right now, I'm looking at the comments. These comments will get through. The best ones we will stop and read them on air right now. So again, the box Houston on Facebook. Uh, are we streaming live on Magic's Instagram? Yep. Yep, on Facebook, on Magic's Facebook live. Live on yeah. Magic's Facebook, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go live on 97. And Instagram give us a call well. on the line 713-621-1021 to express uh, what you're feeling. We are doing this for you. We have a call coming soon from a officer of the law. Yes. And we will get him on. But we took a break today. And thank you for being a part of this podcast as we honor the memory of George Floyd. We'll be right back. All right. Thank uh, you, Allison. We, we appreciate yeah, that. We, we lost, yeah. lost your call. Yeah. Uh, we're expecting a call just a second from uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. This is the podcast, and we are live on all three radio platforms in Houston at 92.1, 97.9 The Box, and 102.1 On Air. Laura. Keisha Nicole, yes. Kiati, J-Mac, mm -hmm. Uncle Funky, and KG Smooth are hosting the podcast this morning. And we are pleased to welcome to the phone uh, our representative from the 18th Congressional District, one of the hardest working people yes. on the planet, Ms. Sheila Jackson-Lee. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Thank you so very much for having me this morning. And thank you to the Radio 1 family for being together, which is uh, what my theme what my message, what my heart speaks to today uh, is the need for us to be together. I know that there is great pain uh, amongst um, all of us, uh, and we are still trying to grapple with another unspeakable crime against a black man where we watched the life extinguished in front of our eyes um, of beloved George Floyd, uh, a Houstonian, uh, a beloved Jack Yates member, uh, and, of course, um, a person whose family uh, is uh, large and amongst us. Uh, we know that they're in pain, and we offer them, again, our deepest sympathy. I want to be able to indicate that the pain and protest uh, that we are seeing uh, 
uh, is both relevant and requires understanding. And the reason I say that is because more than 25 years ago, sometimes we need history. The officers who beat Rodney King almost to death uh, were acquitted. And out of that, many people will read in the history books, massive riots occurred. But deeply embedded in those riots were 50% unemployment, a little 15-year-old later on who was allegedly saying they were trying to get orange juice, was shot dead. And so there's an underlying current that we must now turn the corner of constructiveness. I am not going to give deference to those who want to call people thugs. The FBI knows how to determine who is infiltrating innocent protests. That's their job. I want this to be peaceful, but I want there to be, a, there to be an understanding of people's pain. I was out there last night. I was seeing mothers and fathers. I was seeing strollers. I was seeing young people. We were all out there together. I was seeing disruption and then start walking again. We were all out there together. Police, police chief, the executive police chief. We were there together because I know each of us had our own reason for wanting to show outwardly our pain, but to do it amongst our family members. Wearing masks, trying to be socially distanced, which I ask people to do. So here's what we need to uh, begin to utilize. One, we must be peaceful. It gains us nothing if we let violence be our steps. But there must be understanding and there must be action. And so I hope in the moment of our peace today as we reflect, yesterday as we reflect, people of faith, uh, that we can work uh, for murder charges to be rendered fairly against those officers. I don't know the specific laws in Minnesota. I will be looking at it. Uh, but we need to have answers why it's not first-degree murder. And the reason, of course, is some would say there was no intent or malice or planning. But if you watch that officer for the period of time and his ignoring of the calls and pleas, not only of Mr. Floyd, who deserved human decency, but all the citizens who really controlled this nation pleading for his life, he ignored them. So you have to wonder why the actions are so slow. And then you have to be able to look at issues dealing with police accountability. We have been blessed by police officers' leadership, the brass here in Houston. I thank them for trying to be measured. And no pepper spray per se has been utilized, as I understand it. But they've been trying to be measured. I know things are not perfect, but we need to understand the difference in what we're dealing with. But we need to move toward uh, the issue of uh, ensuring that we have police accountability. I'll be leading on the legislation, Law Enforcement Trust and Integrity Act, and also a bill that doesn't allow police officers to be fired one place and hired another place. But the key has to be changing the society of questions of race and how we're treated as a people or people of color. And this now is the time, if I use the biblical terminology, it is time for us to get up and walk. We can no longer look to the question of race as there it is again, government, society, policies, people's mindsets, if not 100%, 70% need to understand that they too have to fight against racism. 
H.R. 40, the Commission to Study Reparations, should now be a viable bill. The Commission to Study African-American Boys and Men should be a viable bill. Uh, and that's the action you can take. Congress can fix some of these things as we work with those officials who will work with you. But let's have an agenda to improve our education, to stamp out systemic racism because we say it should be, because we demand it peacefully, because we work to get it done. Let's make sure that no one is denied an education. Let's make sure that the Air Heroes Bill to help us fight against COVID-19 is passed and no one gets a pass or an excuse not to do it. So I see reason in what is going on. I see reason and purpose in the protest. I want to thank the young people. I want to say I feel right along there with you. I love you. I want you to be calm in your work. I want you to embrace a brother or sister that's walking alongside of you and just feels a moment that they want to be violent or disruptive. Tap them on the shoulder. Tell them, walk with me, brother. Walk with Walk me, brother. With me, Walk with, yes. And, and you know, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, we, we always appreciate you um, on our show. I have a question that everyone's been asking, and, and, and they want answers right now about this. You know, there was a new video that was released of the officers beating George Floyd in, in the officer in the, in the car. Why haven't the other, or how do we get the other three officers who are responsible for this arrested? Um, let me um, indicate that that is the message I'm saying. We cannot stay silent until what is done is done correctly. But what my direct answer would be, would be the U.S. Attorney, the Department of Justice, the President has made sounds about he's sending in the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office. I demanded two days ago that the U.S. Attorney should stop acquiescing and do his job. And that is if the local government is not going to do their job, not going to arrest these individuals for violation of civil rights, for excessive force, for the sin and the breaking of the law of omission. That means if you see a crime perpetrated and you do nothing, you are guilty. They can be arrested. They should be. And the federal government needs to come in. Their investigation needs to be finished and they need to do their job. That's how it can be done by the U.S. attorney and the federal government. They can be arrested under federal charges. Congresswoman, we've got to leave it right there, but we do appreciate your time. We know your schedule is amazing, and we thank you for sharing uh, your, your message of hope with our platform this morning on all three of our Urban One stations, uh, 102.1, 97.9. And 92.1. We're doing this show today, ma'am, live in the love you for the Love you for all you're doing. Thank and you. uh, let's go in peace. Thank Absolutely. you. We will be victorious. Thank you. Memory Thank of you George Bye -bye. Floyd is our key topic today. This is what we're doing. And uh, we're going to find some family members, let Keati tell you some story about what he found on his timeline, and share with you just how good this brother was to the city of Houston. This is the Public Affairs Podcast. We'll be right back after this. Today's show was a chance for us to breathe, a chance for us to, to, to take a breath and reflect and remember some of the great things that um, Mr. Floyd stood for, the family in Third Ward, and then enlighten and inform that there are people in place that really don't want this to succeed and as Minister Muhammad said earlier, we've got to 
open our eyes and pay attention to who really is and who really, who really isn't. I want you to wrap your mind around this fact. And this is a fact. What I'm about to say is going to sound crazy as hell to y'all at 11.34 on a Sunday morning. Do you understand Michael Vick spent more time in jail hmm. mm -hmm. for dog fighting, for killing a dog, mm -hmm. than the last 43 police officers that killed unarmed black men? Just, just listen to what I just said. Michael Vick spent more time in jail. He was ridiculed. Peter came out. Yep. You can get more time for killing a dog than you can get for killing a black man in America. That may not be true, but that's all you're showing me. People always like to go to, oh, man, well, well black people kill black people. Why y'all ain't complaining? We are complaining about that. But I know if little Pookie or Ray Ray kill somebody, oh, he going to jail. If Pookie or Ray Ray shoot little JoJo over there, he's going to jail. He doesn't have a chance to say, oh, I was in fear for my life, and then nothing happens. So why don't we have the same level of accountability for law enforcement officers? That's all we're saying. Mm -hmm. One, we don't even want to run all these problems together. That's like if you get yeah. in a fight with your wife about some real stuff, and then she jump out and say, but you don't wash the dishes. We're not talking about dishes right now. Mm -hmm. Right. We're not going to be distracted by these other things that come into our... That's not what we're doing. We want to talk about... George Floyd, we want to keep the attention on there were four officers involved and only one is in jail. And even the officer that you do have in custody, you gave third degree yeah. manslaughter. Like yeah. that, that, I didn't watch a manslaughter. I watched a murder. I watched a murder, a slow murder. A, a premeditated murder because you know new new um, things are coming out about him working at the same nightclub as him. You know what's even crazier, you guys? The nightclub owner did an interview and she said that he was more aggressive on the urban nights. Because it was black people. So See, he was he was quicker to pull out his tase and he was quicker to, to do things, you know, when it came to the black night versus the other nights. But my question to that to that nightclub owner, because this is how we stop stuff. Why did you allow that to happen? Why didn't you stand up and say, you know what, let's get another officer in here? That's a problem though. That's how we stop issues. That's how we stop some of this stuff. Other people have to stand up with us and get involved. Man, you, you know the reason why, I, and, and I'm going to keep it G with y'all, the reason why I never, like, because I hear a lot of stories coming out now about these backstories and other things um, that I personally can't verify. And I know that the, they'll put anything out there because the picture circulated with the dude in the red hat. They was like, y'all see fault. him? We knew that Y'all see fake. him yeah. in his hat? That's, and that wasn't even the officer. Yeah. But you had, out of anger and frustration, you had these celebrities posting the picture yep. like, y'all see what this is? And that's not what that was. So a lot of these stories that people come out that we can't verify, I never jump out there and say, hey, this is what, this, that, whoop. I will say this though. I did watch a man get murdered. Yep. I did see video of police officers in the back seat. Of a, of a squad car doing something to the brother inside the car. I do know that that was wrong. Mm -hmm. I do know that the media continues showing the killing of an unarmed yep. black man live on national TV. I do watch how a lot of our favorite corporations, brands, entertainers have been silent, have not said anything. Mm -hmm. People that you love and support and you run around rocking their gear, they have not said nothing. These brands that we fight over and shoot over and steal over and die over have not said anything. There's been no movement. I know it took our president days and days and days to make statements. 
And even when the statement was made, I don't know how in the world somebody that runs the country can go and say, if they start looting, you start shooting. That's not what the president should say to its citizens. Mm. I know that was a code that they used back in Miami whenever they were yep. already killing and running through neighborhoods and tearing up neighborhoods. Yep. I know that. Yep. So at the end of the day, a lot of my faith-based leaders that run around and say they love God, how can you stand next to something that's not godly? That's not godly. Boy. That's not godly. That's not godly. We, we talking about these good Christians that are listening to the station but are co-signing things that are ungodly. Hey, y'all, I don't know if y'all know this or not. Regardless if you believe in, in, in um, whatever religion you believe in, I don't think I don't think God rocked two ways. I think mm -hmm. that righteous is righteous and wrong is wrong. wrong. Yeah. And that's love. what I believe. That's how I was raised. So at the end of the day, for a lot of people that are saying, yo, this is righteous, this is this, this is that, that's not, it's nowhere in the Bible, the Quran, or anything where you read where it says, hey, man, racism is good. Racism is what we're supposed to be doing. That mm -hmm. It don't work like that. Mm -hmm. But we have people every day that are hide behind that blanket. Oh, hey, man, well, hey, man, we're just going to follow leadership. We're going to blindly do it. I'm not. You might. I'm not. Yeah. The podcast, Kiari, Keisha, On Air Lord, KG, Uncle Funky, Chris, on line four? Yes. All right, let's go up top. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Comment? How are we doing this morning? First, I just want to say good morning to everybody. Good morning, and good, morning good morning, good morning. God bless you, um, Kiari and Keisha, you know, y'all formerly know me as Stretch, you know, uh, so I just want to say this for the young for the young listeners out there because I, I tuned in this morning. I, I tune in every morning, you know, and I feel like it's very important that we listen to what we're being told from our older community, our older leaders that are in our community that are telling us, hey, slow down. Let's bring unity. You know, right now you want to run around. I mean, you know, I don't agree with anybody causing chaos or anything, but they don't want to see us come together. And that's what we need. You know, Killer Mike said a great thing when he said, you know, don't burn down your own home. You know, right now is the time to prepare, time to plan, strategize, multiply, get out there. You know, you, we want to educate our, our, our kids. We want to educate our communities on what's going on and what's the right thing to do to handle this. You know, we want to bring this, like you said, to voting, to, to, to the DAs, you know, to people that are not making a change because that's where it has to start, you know. We we have to to start it at the root. You know, we, we're taking it at the top. We have to start it right at the bottom and cut it right at the root. You know, when you take when you think about nut grass, you know, you don't get that nut out when you take the grass out. It's gonna keep growing and keep sprouting. So we have to hit it right where it's at and kill it right at the root. You know, uh, it, it's amazing that it's crazy. You know, I'm 27 and I have to teach my eight year old son, my five year old son, that hey, this is how you have to handle yourself with the police. This is how you have to handle yourself when you're in this setting, when you're around this kind of area, because this is what can happen, you know? And it's sad that we have to teach them at such a young age now. You know, they, they, they have to grow up and, and not get a chance to experience life how they should because look how 2020 has been, been handling children. You know, they, schools cancel, proms are canceled, graduations. You know, kids don't get to walk across the stage. You know, there's so many things that the children, that nothing that they ever have done, nothing that they ever would have done, has affected them already. So that's have already impacted generations that are going to be coming from years from now, 10 years from now. You know, they'll still be fighting this same fight, but how are they going to fight this fight? Are they going to fight it with chaos? Or are they going to fight it with structure, with discipline, and with self-respect and know that, hey, they're not going to respect us unless we respect ourselves. 
they're not going to unify with us if we can't unify with ourselves. So that's just what I want to say this morning. All right, Carl, to your point, sir. Hey, hey, hey we definitely appreciate you, Stretch. I, I, and I, I'm going to back door on what he said. Uh, brother say, we're ready to run around and burn stuff down, and that's cool. But even if you burn everything down, then what? What is the plan? Where's the organization? Who are the leaders that, that we're following? See, uh, people, people for so long, they, they've had this uh, mis misconception of what it takes to really mm -hmm. make change. Mm -hmm. See, for, for change to really happen, you need two main things. You need influence and you need power. What is power? Power is the pocketbook. Power is where do we spend our money at? Where do we shop? Who do we bank with? What companies do we support? Uh, Africans Americans have billions of dollars of buying power. Do yes. you know whenever the, the 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 coronavirus ended? Do you know who was walking around the mall when when, it was, when nobody it was else? Black people. Black. It was people. us. Everybody. Black people filled that mall the day they opened up the mall. Do, do you know That's why? That's who's spending the money. These Fashion Novas and these Jordans and these Pradas and Gucci's are so successful because we have buy, buying power. So again, it takes two things. Power. Where are we spending our money? Where are we saving our money at? Are we banking with black banks, minority-owned banks? What are we doing with the money? It also takes influence. See, a lot of y'all think you have influence because you have Instagram followers. But in real life, nobody follows you. That's the difference. What are you influencing? <laughs> what have you done for change? And then, too, you know, and this is nothing to indict uh, my rappers, my entertainers, my athletes. What are you about? What do you stand for? That's mm -hmm. what the, that's where the influence yep. comes at. Because at the end of the day, if you out here and, and you're doing stuff that is going to harm these young people and lead these young people the wrong way, that's not the type of influence that I want to listen to. Not me. So at the end of the day, it takes power, which is the money, and it takes influence, which is your walk. What are we about? Where is your organization skills like? If you call, will leaders of the city pick up the phone and effectively put things into place that will protect and provide for these young people in the city? That's what it's about. It's about power and influence. Whenever we understand our power and organize our influence, that's when change happens. I'm tired of y'all just putting us on the news as angry black people with no plans. What is the plan? Yeah, I, yeah, I get on the news after we have a plan. Hey, guys, we're going to burn this down, and then after we burn it, uh, we're rebuilding uh, community centers. My God. At that point, yeah, we're going to build a black bank right here. Or we're going to uh, keep this whole section is going to be minority-owned, so this is where we feel safe when we come shopping. We're going to be policed by... Real talk, real conversation. Kiati, good morning, H-Town. A part of the family, Radio 1. This podcast is making history on all three platforms at 1021-979 and 92.1. We go back to the phone, giving the people a chance to be a part of the conversation. Mary, welcome in. And uh, your comment? Hey, KG, is this, am I live? Yes, yes you are. Live. Yes, you are. Cool, this is MJ. Hi. What What's up, MJ? Hi. What's up? So, I am looking at this from... Um, a very pale perspective. I mean, okay. straight up, I'm white. So I cannot even fathom what it's like for a black man or a black woman right now. I can't. But my my soul and my heart goes out to you. Um, my brothers and my sisters, my best friends that I've known all my life who are, I cry for them every night. I cry for their babies every night because I want to see them again. You know, I want I want them to be around. And I'm so afraid they won't. And um, that really bothers me. And so I'm looking at it, and I'm speaking to my white community. 
you're sitting here saying, why are these riots? Why are these riots? It's supposed to be peaceful. Understand the fact that this, they didn't begin as riots, but when you press on a child so hard that they are, when you press on something and an inanimate object so hard, it's going to break. It's going to begin with a slight fissure. And then you keep pressing because it's being ignored that something's happening. It's going to crack. And when that crack happens, things are going to come out of it. And that's what we're experiencing. So it's understandable, the anger, the sabotaging of businesses, many of whom are small black-owned businesses. That's inappropriate. But that's not being done by the black community. And if it is, it's being instigated by other races. That I have a problem with. Um, I have been educating myself on what it's like to peaceful protest. I've seen, I've watched things like Selma. And I watched, I watched a show the other day, um, A Time to Kill. If I want my white community to understand exactly what it feels like to be and what the black community is going through right now, the closing remark of Matthew McConaughey in this entire film is poignant. It's, uh, it, he goes through and he describes the rape, the brutal rape and assault of a 10-year-old black girl at the hands of two white rednecks. And he, he goes through and he's just describing everything she went through, the beatings, the beer cans, the lynching, all of this. And at the end of his argument, he says, and it's perfect, he says, now imagine she's white. So let's take the case of Ahmaud Aubrey. Let's take the case of Brianna. Let's take the case of George, you know, Floyd. Let's imagine all this is going on. And imagine this is an unarmed white man sitting in his car, looking at his tickets, saying, hey, I'm about to, I'm about to score big, or hey, this is going to happen. And he's accosted by police officers. Now, this is a white man. Now, imagine he's, he's killed on screen in front of your eyes. And all he's pleading for is his life and his mom. Imagine he's white. How would you feel? How angry would you be? Imagine it is a, a you know a white child, a white boy in the in the running through the streets of River Oaks, and he is pinned in by two rednecks, by three rednecks, and he's shot point blank. We can't imagine. If I think white, if it was to happen, man. MJ, you know that it it would be it, it would be so fast. The the arrest, the uh, conviction, the charge, the prosecution, the whole wait, 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 the whole wait. damn process would have been man, fast. Listen. And that's what if I'm this saying. Was a black officer. So yes, there is every reason you guys need that that the black community is upset and in arms, and they should be, and we should be with you, ma'am. If this, and that's why I stand with you, ma'am. If this was a a black man, black officer that did this to a white man. I, I don't even want to lie to you right now, man. Man, we will, we we wouldn't be doing none of this. Brother, brother might not, might not make it into the jailhouse, man. Right. And and as a police officer, I just want to keep it all the way real and raw and honest. Um, we wouldn't be here right now. Oh no, no I fully nobody understand that. Up any stores or I anything, fully understand that. Uh, brother, brother might not be here right now. Thank you so much for calling this morning. We 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 definitely appreciate you and and, and your call and your empathy. Thank you. Thank you, MJ. Uh, let's get to Larry before break. Larry, welcome to the podcast. 
You have the answer. Oh, he got the answers? This is what we've been waiting on? You ain't got the answers. You know what? Y'all give it up. Y'all give it up for this brother real quick. I have no idea what he's going to say. This is live radio. He needs answers. He got the answers. Thank you. That's what we need right now. Give us these answers. His phone is hung up. His phone hung up? Oh, man. The answer is a phone charger then. He should have had a phone charger. J-Mag. All right. Hey, KG, let's run. Run. Go run this because I feel his leader. He got all the answers, and no, he ain't had the end part. Somebody stole right, his lighter. Right. The answer is stop stealing people charging. What you got, kid? You want to run? The Hello? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear oh, you. Yeah. How are you? Oh, okay. Who is this? This is Larry. This is the guy. Okay. No, I hey, man. What's up, answer, man? All right, Larry. All right, Larry. Hey, all right, good, let's go. Good, good morning. Live real radio. quick. Uh, real quick. We need to vote. We need to vote, and we need to make our vote count. We have a lot of black-owned businesses in this city that are online, that are in person. Every black-owned business needs to have voters registration cards. Every customer that comes through your doors, you need to say, hey, thank you for your business, and hey, are you registered to vote? Here's a card. Let's fill it out now. That's first thing. We need to make that a serious priority in our community, get people voting. If you if, if you're not a business owner, you need to reach out to before elections. You need to reach out to ten of your friends that you talk to. Hey, are you registered to vote? Let's get our register. Let's get our, our, our uh, voting rights taken care of first. Once we get that done, we also need to start grooming candidates that are protecting our issues in our community and that are focused on black people. That's what we need to work on. We had. Scarface, we had Willie D that were running in this city, and those gentlemen did not get in. Those gentlemen that were going to work on our issues. Why did they not get in? Welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world, broadcasting on all three radio platforms under the umbrella of Radio One, Urban One. We are live at KMJQ Houston, Galveston, KBXX Houston, KROI, Seabrook Houston, and we're streaming on all social media platforms. That's right. Uh, 97.9 The Box on Instagram, uh, The Box Houston, our Facebook page. I see Radio Nas broadcasting live as well as Magic 102. That's Magic with a J. Uh, tap in the conversation this morning. There's a lot of real stuff going on in our city and our community that affects us. Mm -hmm. And a part of the problem is the dialogue, the yeah. conversation. We never have these moments where we stop and pause everything and legitimately talk to people around our city, around our area that are in positions of power that have insight, that we can have real conversation with. And this morning, um, you know. The voices that care about your community. Mm -hmm. Good morning, H-Town. Kiati. Keisha Nicole. J-Mac. Yes. J-Mac. Radio Now, On Air Lore, co-host of the podcast and voice of Magic After Dark, KG Smooth. I'm Uncle Funky Larry Jones, and we welcome his honor, the mayor of America's greatest city, mm. the Honorable Mayor Sylvester Turner, is live on the podcast. Good morning, Good morning, man. everybody. Thank you for good joining morning, Good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning to the listening audience. Sir, we are in a state of flux. Our city is, uh, is expressing its heartfelt desire to love and show compassion toward our fallen Jack Yates brother, uh, George right. Floyd. And we also know that the, the peaceful protesters have been invaded by outside entities that make our city not look 
as good as it should. And we know that you and, and Chief Acevedo are doing a phenomenal job in a unique time period. But we'd like to get your perspective on the situation of law and order and what our citizens can feel going forward. Uh, look, and thank you. And uh, look, I appreciate you. I appreciate what the station is doing. Let me just start off by saying uh, that what happened to George Floyd, native Houstonian, born, reared, grew up here, graduated <clears throat> from high school here, uh, should not have happened. And I've said repeatedly that, that uh, his death was clearly avoidable. Uh, what the police officer did, placing his knee on the neck of George, uh, totally unacceptable, unacceptable, can't justify it. And for the other three police officers, the other three uh, that were standing around, seemed like they were guarding, uh, that they were enablers, and, that, and that's inexcusable as well. So, you know, we all want justice uh, for George, but George in many ways is, uh, is uh, 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 an example of many other things, many other abuses that have taken place uh, all over. And, and so even internally, as I say here in the city of Houston, as the mayor of the city of Houston, it's important for us not to just talk about what happened to George, but us to take even an internal look within our own organization to make sure that we are getting things right, uh, that we are reviewing our practices, procedures, our actions, make sure that we are uh, constantly training our law enforcement personnel um, and make sure that we engage in best practices. And so that's important because you know, you just want you can't talk about one example without taking a look at what you're doing. I appreciate every single thing that our law enforcement officers are doing in our city. We need law enforcement. They need the community. Community need each other. But it is so, so important uh, that we do everything we can to gain people's trust and to hold on to maintain that trust uh, because that's the only way it will work when both are working together. Now, having said that, I mean, George uh, grew up in this city, uh, Third Ward, Detroit, uh, Jack Yates High School, you know, uh, played, played ball uh, at Jack Yates. Uh, uh, everybody talks about how he was, you know, uh, big George but gentle, but yet when he played, he got in that zone. Um, and and his, 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 his body is coming back to the city of Houston. We certainly want to, uh, want to pay tribute to him uplift his family, his siblings, other members of his family, his friends. Uh, and then at the same time, I fully understand people wanting to march, demonstrate, protest. That is people's right. I got it. I joined with them. Uh, we simply only ask that it be done peacefully. Now, there are elements or there are people who have tried to take it and, and these marches and demonstration, demonstrations turn it in a way that just have not been uh, constructive. And that's not only happening here in the city, it's happening all across the country. And I think in those instances, we have to identify that, call that out, because that's not, that's not helping to advance what I think overwhelming percentage of people are trying to do, and that's to try to improve things systemically, force people to take an internal look, at their operations, recognize that we have to be working together, not apart, but there are some elements uh, that are trying to, with their own agenda, that are trying to use this moment for their own purposes, and we have to recognize that, identify that, and call that out. 
Mayor Turner, I will say uh, of all of the protests that went down, Houston was the most peace, peaceful mm -hmm. out of that all is, of the And city. that is true. Yeah, indeed. I, I want to yeah. ask you, Mayor. Yeah, you uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Uh, you know, our black men are defeated and they're hurting, they're in pain and they're in anger. And I know you, you are in a powerful position. But I, I would like to ask you, as a black man, how do you feel right now outside of being a mayor? How do you feel about what's happening to our, our black men in this country? Well, look, let me tell you. When I first saw the clip, I was at my home on my couch watching the television. And uh, it just it just penetrated my entire being and what I said to myself, um, you know, not again, you know, not, not again. Uh, and, and, and while I'm watching, I said, what, what, what the hell, what, what, why, what's, what's the point? Okay. What's, what's the point? But the, and the very fact it wasn't 30 seconds it was, it was, it was eight, nine consecutive minutes. Guy handcuffed, you know, on his stomach, pleading, you know, telling the folk, I can't breathe, you know. And then to get to the point where he's, where he's calling out for his mom. I mean, that, 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 that pierced my own soul, my own being. And, and we have dealt with this over and over and over again for decades and you say to yourself you know how much longer so you know i'm a native houstonian grew up in this city i have chosen to continue to live in the same neighborhood in which i was born and raised and y'all know what you know it was on the fofo in the hood i've chosen to stay and i chose to stay for a reason because i wanted young boys and girls in the hood in these neighborhoods, like the trade, like the nickel, like Sunnyside, like Acres Home, to know you can grow up in this in these communities, and you can still excel, you can still achieve. You don't have to leave, and you can and you can make it. And the best way to demonstrate that is for them to see it. So I want I want people, kids in neighborhoods like this, to be able to see the mayor of city of Houston in his with his mayor's detail coming back, leaving the community but coming back into the community and let me tell you the relationship between police law enforcement and community for decades has been a strained one a, a times a very tense one and yet we have worked very hard to bridge that relationship between law enforcement and the community community and law enforcement and it, it takes a lot of work because I tell you every time there's a uh, uh, officers shooting, then you're going to have those questions. You know, was it fair? Was it justified? Could it have been avoided? And so when you, when, and so from a separate and apart from being mayor, yeah, it, it pained me. And you just said it just didn't have to be. But I, I will tell you, but as the mayor of this city in this key position, when I saw it, I said, hey, it makes everything that we do more difficult. Because what happens, whether it's in um, Minneapolis, whether it's in Georgia, wherever it may be, it, is amp it amplifies everything, every shooting, every incident involving police officers becomes viewed through those lens, and it makes our job here locally 
even more, more difficult. And you say, Daniel, okay. So, uh, but that is why you have to immediately, immediately condemn it. Uh, you have to say it was wrong. You have to call it out, okay. You have to recognize that, that if you're painting and if I'm in pain and it, and, and it touches my raw emotions, what about other folks? So you got it. You got it. As as a, you have to understand that and allow people to uh, to express how they feel. And we have to listen. Mayor, we have to listen. Yes. Um, you know, I, I I've been doing some thinking. It's chaotic, and I've been doing some thinking. And and you said something real. We we got to figure out these relations between officers and the people in the community, right? So what, what I think, what, what, what we want as, as a race of people, as a community, I want Chick-fil-A service from police officers. I think Chick-fil-A should train every police officer across the nation. When I pull up at Chick-fil-A, I don't care what kind of day these people have, and they say, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing today? Is everything good with you? Are you okay? My what pleasure. would you need? My pleasure to serve you. When, when, some, when them lights come on behind me, and they get out the car, that's the level of service I want. I don't care about what kind of day you've been having and why that should rub off on how you handle me and treat me. I want that level of service from these people. If somebody that's giving me sweet tea and Polynesian sauce can talk to me like that, whoever has a gun and cuffs that can take my life should talk to me with the same level of courtesy and respect. That's what we want as a people. If we can get that, it'll be no problems. Because we pay their salary. So they deserve a that, customer that's, service. That's what we want. That's all we want. I want that same level of service from these officers that are out here killing and, 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 and abusing and fighting on and, and traumatizing us as I would get when I go through the drive through service at one of my favorite restaurants. That's what we want as a people. For the people that can't and understand, only, simply, that's all we're asking for. And not only, Keati, do you, uh, should you expect that it is what you deserve and what you're entitled to. Ever since I became mayor of of Houston, I have said to all of our employees, whether they are police, fire, municipal workers, I want you to treat people like I treat you all. I respect you. Uh, I acknowledge who you are. I'm not yelling or cursing at anybody. We all have dip tough days. Hey, that's a part of it. But it's all about customer service. And I want every single employee, for example, the city of Houston to understand Every person is important. Every person is, has value. Every neighborhood is important. And you treat the people, for example, in the hood, just like you would treat the people in River Oaks Memorial, Tanglewood, or any place else. They all deserve that level of respect. I, have, I speak at almost every police cadet graduation. Almost every, I think I may have only missed one or two. And what I say to them, is that I want you all to go home safely, to leave your homes and go back safely. I want people in the community to leave their homes and to go back safely. And there are some days in which we'll run into people and they're, uh, they, you know, you're running the folk and they're happy and everything is going well. And then some days on our jobs, we'll run into people who are not having a good day and they may curse us out, but we have to exercise restraint and patience and understand that we're here to serve. We're here to serve whether people will have a good day or whether they're having a bad day. It is what we do. It is our public servants. 
And I will tell you, by and large, if I was Houston police officers, they've done that. I was pleased to see whether uh, black African-American police officers at their press event, and they talked about respect and customer service and treating people right. The same thing applies to others. Chief Acevedo has been out there on the front line. Chief Fenner, Chief Slinker, the executive command chiefs have been out there on the front line because it, it is about treating people with respect, giving them that customer service, and that is what they are entitled to. So and, Mr. We honestly, and, and the job is hard, but we got to, we, every day we've got to strive to do better. And Mr. Mayor, we appreciate that. By the way, this is the Public Affairs Podcast on all three Radio 1 stations in the city and social media at KMJQ Houston Galveston, KBXX Houston, and KROI Seabrook Houston. Mr. Mayor, you get a chance to speak with a lot of leaders and from every walk of life in this city. Have you had a chance to have a contingency meeting with some strategy, uh, men and women who make strategy planning, to move forward with anyone so far in the city? And the answer is yes, from, from day one, you know. And, and quite frankly, it didn't even just start with, with, uh, uh, with the event with George. I mean, even prior to and ever since I've been in mayor, try to stay in touch with uh, community leaders, activists across our city from all walks of life and all communities, um, because that's, that's how, you, that's how you, you, you kind of get the sense of the heartbeat of your community. It just, I tell you, we have to we have to stay out in front, and a part of and I work at this job, that this job seven days a week, and it's not just sitting behind the desk at City Hall. I try to get out as much as I can during the day, even in the evening, seven days a week, because that's how you kind of get a sense of the heartbeat. That's kind of get a sense of what's happening out here on the out on the streets. Um, and, and so you've got to stay as much as possible in front of these events. And I think in large part because, for example, what happened yesterday, the, the, there were marches, demonstrations, protests. But by and large, by and large, what took place yesterday in the city of Houston was quite peaceful. People marched. They demonstrated how they felt. felt. But by and large, when you, when you compare what took place yesterday and last night in the city of Houston to other major uh, cities across the country, we did fare quite well. But that's because of the community connections in our city. Leaders, not me, not the mayor, but community leaders, faith-based leaders, organizers, and, and I heard people like at Emancipation Park say, well, if we go, we, what we want to do, we want to do it peacefully. We want to stand up. We want to ask for justice for George but we want to do it peacefully, okay? And so I want, to, I, I want to thank the people in the city. I want to thank community leaders at all levels for working together to holding our city together because, you know, it, it doesn't serve anybody when people and communities are already on the margins and we tear it down even more. Who loses in the end? Who loses? And the focus needs to be on what happened to George and how we can get justice for George, not on somebody else's agenda where they are tearing. This is, this is our city. This is our house. This is our home. And so I want to thank people in the city. I want to thank people in the hood. I want to thank community organizers and activists 
faith-based organizers for, for just working together to uh, keeping the focus, but doing it in such a way that it's not, that it's not destructive. Mr. Mayor, we can't overly express how proud we are and how thankful we are that you have given us this access to the top of leadership in the city of Houston and your response to our questions because we all love the city. We love Harris County. We love the state of Texas. And we honor uh, Mr. Floyd. And um, you being uh, straight out of uh, Acres Homes only amplifies the fact that you have a heartbeat and a, and a pulse and a touch on this town that no other mayor could possibly have because you come from a place where no other mayor could possibly come from. So in these unique times, as far as the Radio One, Urban One families committed, we want to salute you and thank you for your due diligence. And your friend Kiati has one more question for you. Um, no, not, not a question, more of a statement. Uh, us up here at Radio One, and I'm sure you know this, but I just wanted, wanted to be said any of those sit-downs that we need to be at, you know, we're more than willing to pull up and participate because, again, it really is about we want to love on our city. You know what I'm saying? And at the end of the day, violence, especially unnecessarily, right. and putting young people's lives in danger is not what we're about. So, again, anything that, that you're doing, um, and I'm talking about the, the real talks. Not the stuff people be doing, jumping in front of news cameras and all that. Legitimately things that need to be done behind the scenes to be sure that progress moves forward. We're all here for that. And, look, and, I, and I appreciate that. And I want people to know, we can always work to do our jobs better. I'm not claiming that what we have here in the city is perfect, whether it's in law enforcement or even in governance or even what I do. I'm not saying it's perfect. We can, we can always do better, and that's why it's important for us to listen, and then after we listen, then to uh, make the necessary changes or adjustments so that it can, it can be better. And I do want to thank the, com the community, because let me tell you, I don't care what I say. If, 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 if the community feels as though they can't trust us or have confidence in us, then it's going to show up, okay? It's going to show up. But I want to. I want to. I want to thank the people in 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 our city. I want to thank law enforcement. I want to thank our police officers for exercising a great deal of restraint and professionalism over the last several days. I appreciate that. That's important, and we need to continue to do that. Uh, but we have even before what happened to George, and even police shootings in our own city. When I came into office. I said that there are communities and neighborhoods in our city that have been underserved and under-resourced, lack of investments for decades, not in the last few years, but for decades. Whether you're looking at portions of Detroit or Fifth Ward, the Nickel, Sunnyside, the East End, Denver Harbor, Acres Home, the Fofo, there are communities and neighborhoods that have been ignored way too long, communities that have been on the margins. And so when Harvey came, it pushed them down even further. And now with this coronavirus, with 70% of the people that are being impacted, dying, being people of color, African-Americans and Hispanics, and now here we're dealing with this situation. So what I said when I came in 
We have to change that paradigm. We have to start investing resources into in these communities to bring them up so that they're in a better position to withstand whatever forces that come their way. And people should not have to leave their neighborhoods for better. They ought to be able to stay in their neighborhoods, and the investments and the improvements should be in their neighborhood. And that's one of the main reasons why I made a decision way back, and quite frankly, it's honoring my mom's request, and that was not to abandon Acres Home and communities like Acres Home. And the best way for me to demonstrate that is to stay rooted in this, in this same community and, and to help build all, lift them all up. That's my commitment as the mayor of this city, and that is to do everything within my power, working with others, to elevate these communities so that we don't have these inequities, because inequities will fuel the flame when it, with incidents like George come along. So you got to get out in front. People got to see you in their streets, in the hood, in their neighborhoods, many times even in their homes, saying, I'm here to make your life better, not worse. If we do that, then when things like this occur, folk will give us an opportunity, or at least we'll, we will have earned some street credit that people will allow us a little more time to fix it instead of believing that they have to get out in the street and burn and tear things up. And so that's what I'm asking from the people in the city of Houston. Help me and help others to uplift our city. Let's not do anything that's going to carry down. And then we are penalizing and hurting the same people who have been on the margins for decades who we need to be out there helping to lift up. Mm -hmm. And we're going to strive every day to serve you better. Well, once again, Mr. Mayor, thank you for being a part of the, the podcast today. And we thank you. We're praying for you, sir, and your, your, uh, your other elected officials that uh, uh, we continue to move forward and lift this city up and mask up and remember to practice yes. social distancing, right? Hmm. The right. virus has not left the premises, okay? <laughs> yes, sir. The virus has, even when you march, demonstrate, protest, remember the virus has not left the premises. And if you don't, if you choose to remember two to three weeks from here, because there's a two to three week lag, the virus will show up on your doorsteps. You don't want that to happen. Mask up and take this thing serious. All right, Mr. Mayor, we've got to take a break, sir. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you being okay. on the podcast. For those listening and calling at 713-621-1021, we're still taking your calls. We're going to be on for uh, about another hour, so we encourage you to call back if you've not had a chance to get in, and we're certainly going to speak to you. This is the Public Affairs Podcast. All right, so I'm sitting in my office, and I am supposed to be working, and I'm not working because, like, in, hi, Don, like any other black person. Hi, Jamie. I am dealing with all of the emotions and I have so many friends of so many different races and I keep seeing on my Facebook page like what can we do to help what's the agenda what are we going to do now and I think it's important for us to have real conversations with our friends who are not black because there is no way there is no way that you could possibly understand what it is like to be in constant fear 
so we should just have these conversations. I have a black son who has a black father. I have black friends. Oh my, I love being black. I love black men. I love everything about my race, but we are constantly in danger just because of our color. So what can you do as someone who is not black? You have to tap in. Now is the time for you to actually be active and tap in. Don't hashtag, don't run, don't wear a t-shirt, don't march, tap in. If you see a black person being pulled over, pull over with them. Stand there until they get their ticket, if a ticket is what's required, and wait until they are gone safely. If you see a white person calling the police on a black person for no reason, sit there until the police come and let the police know this person did absolutely nothing and should not be arrested. And that's really what has to happen because they're not going to shoot you. They're not going to do anything to you, but you've seen what they will do to us. I can guarantee you 100% if a white woman had pulled over when Ahmaud Aubrey was being accosted by those men, he would still be alive. You wouldn't have even had to do anything, but what are you guys doing? They wouldn't have shot him in front of you. They would not have. Not at all. That's how much power you have. So you have to use it now and you have to tap in. You have to be active. You have to be part of the solution. We can't solve problems that were not caused by us. We did not cause racism. We didn't do this. You have to be active and you have to say, this is what I'm going to do to stop this because you literally have the power to save a person's life. For George Floyd, I am sure if a white woman had went up to the police officer and said, please get your knee out of his neck, something would have happened. When we say stuff, nothing happens. <laughs> but when you say something, action is done. It's your presence, your mere presence could save someone's life. I can look at so many of these situations and if someone had just walked up and said something or stayed there and said something, there would have been a different outcome. Like I'm tired of hearing people say, oh, if they would just comply. Comply for fucking what? How often would you comply when trying to be arrested for something you didn't do? Comply? I didn't do anything. Why are you trying to arrest me? What do you expect? When someone is trying to arrest you for something you didn't do. Sandra Bland complied. She died in police custody. So no, it, it's a different ball game for us. It's not, oh, if you just follow directions, it'll be different. Really? Would it? Khalif Browder was in jail for how long? Two, two years? Convicted of nothing. He did nothing. But because he got arrested, he was in jail for two years and ended up taking his own life because of the atrocities that happened to him while he was in jail. So no, now we need everybody who wants to be an ally and who wants to do something, you have to tap in now. You have to be inconvenienced. When you are driving and you see a black person pulled over, you have to stop now. 
Yes, it may make you late for whatever you're doing, but it could be the reason that someone's life is safe. So you have to be part of the solution now. It's no longer I'm going to sit back and we're going to march and we're going to make t-shirts and I'm going to make Facebook posts and I'm going to, sorry, or I'm going to send private messages to all of my black fans saying, all of my black friends saying, oh, I'm sorry that you're going through this. You know, I wish I could help. You can't. That's what you can do because what you've seen is only what's on camera. This happens daily. It absolutely happens daily. Being black is fucking exhausting sometimes. It's one of the most wonderful things in the world and it is also exhausting. I live in Georgia. Georgia is a super racist state. I live in Atlanta, so I'm sheltered from a lot of that. But when I leave Atlanta, I 100% remember that I am in Georgia. So Ahmaud Arbery was shot in broad daylight in Georgia. No surprise. We're not surprised. You guys are surprised. You guys are angry and, you know, I can't believe this. I'll believe it. It happens. It happens all the time. It just so happens that you saw it on video. And please keep in mind that the video was out there. The, the police knew what happened. Those people were arrested because now the world saw it, not because they initially thought it was wrong. What happened was just another black person was shot. Oh, well, but now that the world has seen it, now we have to do something about it. So we have the power to do things. We just need to do them. And unfortunately, it's going to take all of our non-black, really, it's just white people. It, it's going to take y'all to really lead the charge because any person of color is really on the chopping block. Black people just happen to be at the top of the chopping block, but any person of color can really, really, yeah, I mean, we're just lower on the totem pole. So, hey, Jay. So all of my friends who are like, what can we do? What can we do? Have conversations. Like, this is what you need to do. You have to physically tap in. You have to be a part of the solution. The bird watching incident in Central Park, yes, it's fantastic that she got fired, bravo. But had the police shown up, that man could have easily been killed. So someone else would have had to stop and vouch for him. Do you know how crazy that is? That someone actually has to stop and say, yo, this person didn't do it because it's his word against a white woman's word. Who are they going to believe? And unfortunately for us, it's shoot first, ask questions later. But guess what? When you're dead, it doesn't matter what the answer to the question is. And there's not really any justice. You got fired. Okay. When you get charged and put in jail, then we'll speak of justice. How on earth a police officer thinks it is okay to kneel in a man's neck while he is saying, I am dying. He did it with his hands in his pocket. And I, I'm, I'm sure three or four may have taken more than one white person at this point to walk up and say, hey guys, this is a problem. Even if they wanted to arrest him, even if you guys agreed with him being arrested, cool, watch him be arrested and follow him to the police station and make sure he gets in there safely because that's not guaranteed either. It's not guaranteed that once you do, you're going to make it to the police station alive. So you have to tap in and be part of the solution. We need bodyguards. That's what we need. Whenever you see something, we need you to stop and guard us from being shot and killed or stabbed or anything for no reason. Because that's really what it is. The reason is because we're black. I, before I started this, I just watched another video of a white man calling the police 
on a few black kids that were in the gym working out. So let's look at that situation. Other than the skin color, why would you have called the police? They were in the gym using exercise equipment. What other reason would he have had to call the police besides the color of their skin? There is none. They were working out. He didn't believe that they belonged there. And he called the police. I think that every person who falsely calls the police needs to be charged because this will stop happening when there are actually consequences. If there's no consequence, there's no reason to stop what you're doing. Why are you calling the police for someone who's working out in the gym? If this was really a concern, call your landlord. But you called the police because you knew what would happen if you called the police and the police showed up to black people. What would happen would either be arrest, a fight of some sort, or they could have ended up dead. Your intent wasn't just to get them out of the gym because you would have called the landlord. And to find out, they actually were tenants in the building and belonged in the gym. Like it's literally, people are color watching. You're black, I don't feel that you belong here. Thus, let me call the police. That whole, I'm so happy that Central Park incident was caught on tape so that you guys can just get a glimpse of what it's really like. Like, why are you calling the police? You're the one who doesn't have your dog on a leash. Your dog belongs on a leash. He should have called the police on you. And then to threaten, he's threatening me. No, he wasn't. He wasn't threatening you at all. But this is what happens. It's exhausting. And we don't even know the half of it at all. We're only seeing what's become viral videos. There are so many videos that aren't viral. So many. On the same day that Ahmaud Aubrey was killed, Sean Reed was killed. Running from the police. So he was running. So they shot it. Was it 10 times? I think it was 10 times that they shot him in his back. It was either 10 or 13 shot him in his back, stood over his body and was like, oh, it's going to be a closed casket, homie. Really? So then that was funny. So then the fact that you just shot a young kid 10 times and killed him is now funny. That's what we're dealing with. So I am imploring all of my white friends and I have a lot of them. I have white friends that are actually my friends whom I would invite into my home and I would go to their home. Have conversations with your people. You now have to be involved. You now have to tap in. You now have to be the ally that you want to be. When you see a black person being harassed or pulled over or falsely accused of something, you now have to tap in. You have to stand there and you have to participate. You have to protect that person because the other person on the end of that threat or showing up to serve justice to whatever is happening may simply be there to cause that person harm. And I don't think all police are bad at all. The majority of them actually are not. I also have lots of police friends. My store is directly across from a, poli from a police station, which is scary to me because I have black children. And because my store is across the street from a police station, my children only know good police happy police who speak to them every time they see them. When my daughter wanted to see what the inside of a police car looked like, the friendly officer that was across the street let her get in, push all the buttons and play in the police car. So to them, police are their friends. But I have to explain to my son, son, you have to be careful. 
He would run up and hug a police officer when he saw them because he's used to seeing them all the time. I had to explain to him a few years ago, you absolutely never run up on a cop, never. Never will you do that. You can stand back and say hello if you like, but you never run up on a cop. And to him, he's like, why? Hug them all the time. Yeah, but you can't do that because you're black. So that, that doesn't work for you. And it's really, really unfortunate for the police officers who are good because this affects them too. It affects everyone. And I don't, I don't even think we understand the magnitude of how this affects us. Just seeing black people killed is traumatic. And it happens over and over again and you're angry and you're anxious and it's awful. Like you actually become fearful of the people who are supposed to protect you. And it's a shame because I'm sure the majority of them are here to protect you. But the bad ones are damn near ruining it for everyone. Like, I don't think I would call the police unless it was absolutely fucking necessary. First of all, no one should call the police unless it's absolutely necessary. And I really think that we should probably start there. We should probably call our congressmen and our senators and start on our local levels and find out how we can make it a law that if you falsely call the police, you are charged, arrested, or fined. And I guarantee you all of these, this black person tied their shoe in front of me and I'm offended and they need to be arrested would stop. But until we actively do something about it, it's not going to. It's just not. It's just not. Like we all have to find a way to do something. And unfortunately, the burden is going to be on most of the white people to do something. Because you see what happens when we do something. You saw what happened at the protest in Minneapolis. While I'm not condoning the looting and destroying police property, you saw they came out with tear gas and rubber bullets, right? But when the white people were at the Capitol building protesting the national order to stay at home with guns, what happened to them? Nothing, right? I don't recall anybody getting arrested. I didn't see any tear gas. I didn't see any rubber bullets. And they had guns. Do you see the contrast? And I'm not saying that, you know, no crime has ever been committed that someone may need to be arrested and sent to jail. Arrest them and take them to jail peacefully. No, no one who has died in police custody that we are currently speaking of has deserved to die. George Floyd was at most accused of writing a bad check, right? How do you die from writing a bad check? How does that happen? And we know that police officers can take people peacefully, right? Dylan Roof, remember him? Killed a whole bunch of peaceful people at church. He was taken peacefully and then taken to Burger King, correct? So we know that it can be done. There was no reason for this violence against black people, except for that you just wanna be violent against some black people. So I'm going to get off because I have work to do, but it was very important for me to just take time and vent and say how I felt as a black woman, as a mother of a black child. Like, I don't even want to go into what that feels like. And my son is young enough now where he's in my watchful eye most of the time, but he won't always be. And I pray to God that when it it's time for him to go out by himself that I don't have this kind of panic. Every time he leaves the house, is he going to come back simply because someone is upset? 
that he's black. I mean, we could do a, a whole nother chat on just the innocence of black children that is taken from them simply because of their skin color. They're not allowed the same freedoms as people who aren't black. When I go to the park and I see little white boys the same age as my son, just running freely without their parents, they can't. My son can't. He cannot. Because if anything were to happen, he would have to have someone else explain that whatever it was, he didn't do it. He doesn't have that liberty. So, guys, you got to tap in. You have to, you have to, you have to call, make a tap in squad, make t-shirts. I don't care. Hashtag team tap in. Everybody needs to tap in. You all need to now protect the black people. That is my charge to you. Protect the black people because we don't deserve this. We don't. So find your people and explain to them that is now action time because you actually have the ability to save someone's life. That's crazy. I'm thinking of Sean Reed when he was pulled over. Had a white woman been in the car with him? Guess what? He'd still be alive. Like, that's crazy how just your mere presence can prevent someone from being killed. So use it. Use it wisely. Use it now. Please.